You could like put a sleeping bag on them upside down. So they get the feeling of what it's like <laughs> to be eaten by the bear. Oh, your player? Yes. Ooh. The flavor's there. Yeah. The, they can't complain. You fill it with Vaseline? Oh, that's oh, <laughs> just... oh, oh, and you can use it for other stuff. Whenever anybody gets swallowed, and you're just like, oh, into the Vaseline <laughs> sleeping bag. You haven't washed that in months. <laughs> I know. That's what it feels like. Oh, I'm glad you guys are enjoying my purple worm campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just sitting around with Vaseline bags on their heads. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigle. And I'm Will Melden. And we'll be hanging out with you for the next hour to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This episode, we're taking a look at the Sorcerer Wizard Multiclass, and then later on the Vanderhob from Volo's Guide to Monsters. So pull up a chair and stick around. Is it Volo's Guide to Monsters? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. I did it, guys. Yeah, you know, I was actually going to say, Kevin, you've, you've gotten, you were really good at just switching that from weekly to just pretty generic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's impressive because when we first started, it took you like two months to get that opening down. And now you've got it like locked in. You can change it around. I'm impressed. Now I'm a professional. Yeah, it's it's good. Except for quite literally not. No, you don't <laughs> yeah. think we've made a cent off no, of this. That's fine. No. Can I pay those hosting fees? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've lost money, but that's okay. It's a product of love. Um, all right, so this week, or, ooh, see, I'm not good at it. Um, this what, episode. It is also this week. It I is mean. also this week. All right. It's not wrong. This time around, uh, we're going to be talking about the Wizard and the Sorcerer multi-class. Uh, so the Wizard is the classic spellcaster. They have a deep arcane knowledge they spend uh most of their life uh researching the arcane and teach themselves magic or learn by uh somebody else the sorcerer is more of a natural talent when it comes to magic they mostly rely on their meta magic skill to separate themselves from the wizard i think the requirements are intelligence 13 for a wizard and 13 charisma for a sorcerer so let's go ahead and get some first thoughts on this multi-class. Will? Uh, this is in the running, probably for worst, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they seem like the almost stereotypical antagonist classes. Like, I, I'm a nerd and I studied all my magic and then the sorcerers bust in. It's like, ha ha, they got dragon blood or something. Like, <laughs> found a rock in the forest and it started talking to me. Like, <laughs> but they get the exact same damn thing. In totally opposite ways. Right. In uh, like most, like it just, there's very little difference here. Yeah. Kevin? For once, Will is actually the more optimistic one than me. I will, before we even discuss it, hands down say this will probably very, very likely be the worst multi-class combination we discuss throughout this entire podcast. I cannot think of one single combination of things where it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense to you know, slow down my spell progression levels and have to go with all these ridiculous care, uh, attribute stats and whatever for these two abilities. It's like, just go full sorcerer or full wizard. It's so fine. let's talk about that a little bit. You uh, specifically said slowing down your progression. That's always a really big thing when it comes to uh, spellcasters, especially full spellcasters. Any time that you take a level out of that spellcaster, you are holding back your chance of learning a higher level spell in that class. So even though your spell slots go up in a multi-class, just based on your overall full spellcaster level, you have to wait until you're, let's say, 
fifth level in a wizard to take a third level wizard spell. So dipping out of that at any point is just keeping you from going up in that, again, really useful spells progression, even if your spell slots are going up. I just don't see much benefit to having all these spell slots if you're not able to cast high level spells. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can upcast stuff. You can upcast lower level things into it. But yeah, there's a really good chance you will end up with spell slots that you do not have spells known for. The only thing that is nice is with sorcerer, metamagic is used by the sorcery points. So you can convert your spell slots into sorcery points. So officially, you could take those higher level spell slots, turn those into sorcery points, and then have more potent lower level spells. But wouldn't sure. you rather just a higher level spell? When yeah. in any <clears throat> campaign, it's like, oh, I wish I could just like upcast the shit out of these spells all the time. It's like the last right, well, issue what, run what Jared's saying is that you convert these high level spell slots that you don't have known spells for into sorcery points, which you then use for more metamagic options. But you don't need to multi-class into a wizard to do that no you're actually just taking the choice out of it a full sorcerer could still choose to do that right while also having the option of still being able to cast these high level spells when needed anyways right so right. There's, there's no benefits no that. you're you're <laughs> almost entirely just taking any except for the things that yeah I see. as a sorcerer it definitely makes sense as a wizard it could give you something like a, a little bit like if you went up to what is it three levels is when you get no two levels is when you get meta magic as a sorcerer well you get the sorcery points third level is actual meta magic right it's a little weird okay so you you'd need the meta magic to actually do anything interesting with the uh the sorcery points so once you get that meta magic so three level dip out of wizard into sorcerer just for meta magic now you can do some interesting things you can twin mm-hmm. spells which most of the time is just upcasting them mm-hmm. when that's when you can if something is targeting a single target you can put it onto distance spell you can increase the range of your spell very infrequent that that's ever a problem. Yeah. I feel like well, most spells have something good, but... I mean, metamagics are great. Right. They, they really are. There's all, pretty much all... I think some are better than others, but there's definitely tons of them that have use. I'm not saying you wouldn't get use out of getting the metamagic abilities, but just go sorcerer then. Why start wizard and dip into sorcerer? Just go sorcerer. The spell list is very similar. Sure, you have a little less spells, but then you get the meta magic options and your sorcery points match your sorcerer level. Mm-hmm. So if you dip into it three levels, you're going to have three meta sorcery points. Unless you're then converting spell slots into right. sorcery points. That's Which is magic. the least efficient magic factory you could probably build. I'm not thing. saying it's efficient. I'm just saying things you can so do with it. Here's the question is, we said the spell list is similar. It's very damn near identical, but the wizards just got a few like saucy options and none of them are really combat spells which is the issue because i don't think anything on the wizard spell list is combat eligible for meta magic that isn't on the sorcerer spell or spell list right it's all just right. flavor shit well one thing that's nice about wizard is that they um they learn and prepare spells so they actually get a lot more versatility when they when it comes to what spells they can cast and what they can prepare for a day whereas a sorcerer you just learn whatever spells and you're stuck with that so that's some benefit once again as you get some more versatility in what spells you can cast and being able to switch them around uh even a, a sorcerer getting access to a spell book and being able to learn uh more spells could be useful but the issue is they can only learn up to the wizard level that they have so they could get a whole bunch of first level wizard spells which could make them a lot more versatile out of combat 
but not looking at a huge gain there. Yeah, I think that's one of the things you realize quickly when you start playing at higher levels. It's like the lower level spells, just not that great. They don't come up that much. You'll use them like every combat, but it's like not something you think about. There's just so many better options. But I'm specifically talking about out of combat stuff. Out of combat. Yeah, the lower level ones are not game changers at all. Right. I mean, alarm is nice, but now that we're um, level 12 and out of the abyss, I'm not like, oh man, if we get snuck up on in the middle of the night. (laughs) I've stopped (laughs) giving a shit. It's like, whatever, man. And sorcerers get a bunch of that stuff anyways. Yeah. And and then you're, so there's the... The one big thing wizards have is, as you said, they get they learn a significantly more spells, and they can copy spells in a spell book and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And ritual casting. Sorcerers don't get ritual casting. No, they do not. Okay, sure, ritual casting. So that's nice. But by multiclassing, you're slowing down your wizard levels, which is slowing down your wizard spells known and that spell progression. So you're still not really better off, anyways. You don't have that wider pool of spells. No, I, I, I mean, I didn't totally sit down agree. and work out the math, so maybe it's slightly more, but it's not like you have your full list pool of wizard spells as a 10th level caster as only a 5th level wizard, 5th level sorcerer or something. Yeah, you are. You have less. Right. Um, You'll get a shit ton of cantrips. Yeah. <laughs> you'll have a lot of <laughs> cantrips. Yeah, seven cantrips at level, level two, level one wizard, level one sorcerer. That was actually one of my favorite Reddit posts I've seen in a very long time was like, can you collect every cantrip in the game? Foolishly or not? If you multi-class just like every other level and take like weird feats, can you get almost every cantrip? And the answer is almost yes. Oh. All right. You need like 47 cantrips. That will help you never. That will actually ruin your character, but it can be done. But yeah, this is another situation. Like, I don't know. There's so many better options. Now, okay, I will say though that, uh, so you get, the big thing is like you're slowing down your spell progression. I totally get that. But there is a lot of benefit or can be some benefit from dipping two levels into wizard. So if a sorcerer was going up, and I think role-playing wise, because we always like to look at that as well, uh, it could make a lot of sense for a sorcerer to want to go into wizard. Because sorcery is a lot of times you're born into something. You might not fully understand the magic that comes out of you. And I think that wizard is a great outlet for that of, I want to understand it. I want to actually control what I'm doing. So I think a two level dip into wizard could actually benefit sorcerers a little bit. And if you get to that mythical 20, you're not really missing out on much. Uh, Level 20 for a sorcerer is you get four sorcery points back per short rest. Pretty bland. By that point, you already have a lot of sorcery points. And I don't think that you're going to miss out that much on those at all. Uh, 19th level is an ability score increase, and you get 9th level spells at 17th level. So even if we're talking like really late game, you're really not missing much by going out of Sorcerer and into something else. I think Wizard does provide something that uh, others might. You're still going to have all of the spell slots because it's two full spellcasters. All you're getting is some some nice uh, some nice early level benefits from Wizard. I'm not totally disagreeing with you on that. But to get the benefit of that, you got to do it early. Yeah. Like, but, but what I think you, you get wait. out of the wizard dip does not help a nine, like a 19th level character. No, I agree. I think it's something that you could probably do closer to something like 5th level. And I don't think you'd really be too far back. I mean, 5th level, you get your 3rd level spells. And then you might be a couple spell levels behind, especially if you do... Two into wizard, then it would take you, you'd be two levels behind spellcasting wise. So you, you wouldn't have your fourth level spells in sorcerer yet. Uh, but again, you get, you get, uh, abjuration would suck. That's, that's one that just going through alphabetical. <laughs> but something like the evocation wizard, they're basically getting the careful meta magic for free. 
Can you, I don't know if we address this, can you apply metamagic to non-sorcery? Yes. Yeah, no issues there. It still doesn't matter because <laughs> they're basically the same. Yeah, spells. you're casting yeah. the same name. So uh, again, right. going all the way to level 20, sure, dipping out two levels. So you're an 18 level sorcerer and then two whatever. It's not a big deal. But it, then we're dealing with that mythical level 20. We we never really work off of that where I'm, at level 20, this really comes online. I'm where, not dealing with that. I'm saying at, at fifth level. See, I couldn't into, disagree more. You would fall so far behind for so little benefit. For two levels, an evocation <sighs> yeah. wizard getting the careful spell at all times, not having to use metamagic. I don't think it's at all times. The, Isn't there a limit to that? No. No? No, it's up to your intelligence yeah. modifier so then, how many creatures you can hold it from. Well, you said an evo, evocation wizard getting it at all times. You mean, so then you're an evocation wizard, so you already have it. No, you so, go so you're two levels dip into evocation wizard. Then I would just say, just be an evocation wizard and stick with that. It's like, so it, it's really just comes down to chasing these abilities where like, oh, I want the portent dice and I want the tides of chaos of wild magic surge. It's like, sure, I guess that's kind of neat. Or yeah, the evocation wizard sculpted spells. And you, you sure that's not sixth? Level? That's Positive. second level. It's second. second. Okay. You know, and then the, uh, Draconic Sorcerer's Toughness and AC. It's like, it's okay, I guess. But I still think you're much better off picking one and going with it. Right. But once again, I'm, I'm talking about uh, including a roleplay perspective of a sorcerer who wants to have a better understanding of their magic, goes into wizard for two levels. Evocation wouldn't be a bad one. Now you've got some sculpting that you can you know kind of have careful at all times you don't need to take that meta magic ability that's i'll get i'll say this that's like that idea fits really well role-playing wise but mechanically speaking this is a horrible way to express it yeah that's fine but we are talking about the <laughs> sorcerer wizard multi-class yeah. but yeah that's, so and i will say that is the only one that is even remotely acceptable i don't think it, like the opposite of a wizard Going sorcerer. I think that's the one of the least sensical things I've heard no. since the warlock paladin. Yeah, I can't think of many reasons. Wizard to sorcerer, even role playing wise, I think it would be pretty pretty campy. But it, it, yeah, the you touch something unstable and you become a wild magic sorcerer, and right. you're, you're you're the careful wizard who have the perfectly crafted spells. <laughs> And now you're a little unhinged, but you, you could kind of manipulate things a bit more. And Or you're like, oh, it was actually inside me the entire time. I do have a draconic bloodline, and it just happened to come out at fifth I level. And the chosen one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, it's, you know, I, I won't say that that's wrong to play, but it is a little, uh, a little campy. The only benefit I see mechanically is if you were a wizard and you dipped into sorcerer, draconic, then you could get the AC for draconic bloodline. You know, you don't have to cast your uh, your mage armor every day. Eh, you know, yeah. Not, like I said, there's some. It's just it, it. It really comes down to the character concepts. Mm -hmm. I, I mechanically, I would never really recommend this unless you're really chasing specific abilities. No, and I mean, it's every time you've got two full spellcasters with, especially with different uh, spellcasting abilities, right. it's almost impossible to justify mechanically. Yeah, well, we've done it in the past, but yeah, we haven't even talked about this one. So on top of slowing down spell progression and kind of watering down what they have available, you're now become a very mad character where you need high intelligence and high charisma. Mm -hmm. And most likely, so a lot of times you could get away with it. Um, like I'm starting up a paladin rogue who's also an arcane trickster. So they need charisma and intelligence for spellcasting. But the intelligence is eight. 
Because right. it doesn't matter. He's not taking any arcane trickster spells that require saves or attacks. Right. It's all out of combat stuff. So that's kind of how you can get away with it a lot. But with this, with Sorcerer Wizard, it's like I think you'd be very hard-pressed to keep one of those at 13 mm-hmm. and only take you know, non-combat, non-save, non-attack spells. Maybe not impossible. I think there's a lot you can get out of a, a low-dip in Wizard that's more out-of-combat stuff. Or even in combat that doesn't rely on it. Shield is one I'm thinking of. I know you can get that as sorcerer. And say, and this this comes down to crafting your character. Is, what are carefully. these spells that we like? Cut, we're missing out on. It's like that you're. They exist. I just don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> Wizards get everything, and sorcerers just kind of don't. Right. Yeah. I say it'd be it'd be definitely picking up. I think I don't believe that sorcerers get find familiar. They don't. So that's, that's wizard only. So that's one that's good. I think I could find. Six spells at first level for a wizard that I would want that a sorcerer doesn't get. Or that I would have wanted as a sorcerer and I can no longer justify. Or you take the magic initiative feat. Yeah, you could probably do it from feats. Yeah, yeah, pick wizard and then you get fine familiar. Do they get ritual casting then too? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would say, yeah, so so ritual, I didn't realize sorcerers didn't get ritual casting. That Mm -hmm. is nice. The ability to ritual cast. It's nice, but you could just do a feat if you really want that instead of a full multi-class. I think that's um, pretty fair. Yeah. Here's yeah. A, here's another like kicker for that idea is that if you dip three levels into Warlock, you get the Pact of the Tome, which is basically mag- magic initiative with all the Warlock stuff on it. Yeah, but you now you have to yeah. sell your soul to okay, some patron. <laughs> the Celestial Warlock, it's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can be a good evil yeah. Like, I, I say, well, yeah. Then the spellcasting abilities line up, or yeah, or you were saying like dip like the two two levels out of sorcerer because the eight, nineteen and twenty aren't that great. Mm-hmm. You're probably better off going like paladin or bard, or but I know that's not what we're doing. <laughs> yes, but, there are better <laughs> options, but we're not here to talk. But we about need those to look at options. it in the greater yeah, no, context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't we recommend something that. when there's on just inherently better option. Out no, there. no, no, no. I I think. Um, Put it on the record, I do not recommend going into the Sorcerer Wizard multi-class. But if you are really, really keen on it, there are ways you can do it. If you're really, just... really keen on it, like reevaluate <laughs> what you've concluded and then just dip Warlock, man. I, I think that you're missing out on the fact that if this comes up, it is going to be because of role-playing reasons. And we can't account for every single person's yeah. game and, and what happens in it. You know I'm like a role-playing supremacist where like that's my favorite part but this is like my least favorite role-playing it's like ah i didn't understand my magic that's like the fun thing about a sorcerer you're like (laughs) throwing away why that's an interesting class option it's like i've got to understand myself no then you're just a wizard man well that's just like your opinion man that's i know (laughs) but But, uh, i think you do bring up a fantastic point though kevin where Magic Initiate is probably a better way to go about it because if you start like trying to chase later features as a wizard, now you're just wasting your time. You're much better off just taking that feat, which um, I don't know if you're pulling up right now. I don't remember the specifics around Magic Initiate, but you get at the very least uh, a feat or not the feat. <laughs> it yeah, is a what feat. a surprise. You get a feat. You get ritual casting. I know that you also get to pull some spells and cantrips, I think. Are you looking From, it up? Oh no, I was. Oh, you're not. I was looking up something else. Sorry. Um, I'm trying to remember what Magic Initiate does. Uh, pull it up real quick. Bunch of filler noise here because silence is terrible. Oh, I I was covering for you. I thought you were looking it up. Oh wow, it's gonna keep going. Magic. So if you like our podcast, make sure to follow us on Twitter. That's Monsters underscore Multi. 
Um, if you uh, aren't subscribed yet on Google right, Play or in iTunes, addition, awesome. choose one first level spell from the same list. So yeah, you choose Bard, Cleric, Druid, Sorcerer, Warlock, or Wizard, and you learn two cantrips of your choice from this spell list. Then you also gain a first level from the same list. You could cast it at slowest level. Once you cast it, you must finish a long rest before you can cast it again using this feat. So it might actually be better to go into one level of wizard than taking the magic initiate. Well, if you're like chasing oh, find familiar though, it's like it, it then doesn't matter. What it's, what's the spellcasting modifier? It matches. Oh. So charisma for bard, sorcerer, warlock, wisdom for cleric, intelligence for wizard. Right, but going one into wizard will but you don't need the um there's no 13 int requirement. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing. Th- that's right. a hard requirement. If, compared if for to the some sophomore. reason you have the 13 int, then I think it's better to go one into wizard. Because once again, you're getting ritual. Int? <laughs> I, I'm not saying you wouldn't dump int. I'm saying if the stars have aligned and you have to do a podcast about a sorcerer wizard. Yeah. No, if the stars have aligned for your sorcerer wizard, they've aligned against you. Not yeah. For you. Right. Because you should be focusing on something like constitution. You should be focusing on um, Dex. dexterity. Dex is, yeah. For your mage armor. There's, you've got two things that are like in front of both of these right. that you are losing out just by doing this multi class. Like, definitely. Out of the game. Right. Right. Uh, interesting thing, though, here. So, I, what I was looking up was the spell book, specifically the wording on what spells you could copy into it. So, okay. when, when, Wizards right away level one have the ability to copy spells they find other wizard spells they find into their spell book and it costs Correct. money and time and all that but that's how they can learn them and then it's on their list to prepare so it says when you find a wizard spell of first level or higher you can add it to your spell book if it is of a spell level you could prepare and if you could spare the time to decipher and copy it so all the requirements is is if you if it's of a spell level you could prepare oh which I think if you have the slots. So like you, you can't when you level up and gain like another two wizard spells because every level up the gain two wizard spells known. Uh-huh. You have to it has to be within a level that you know if you're fifth level third level spell or less wizard even if you're, you're like a tenth level caster overall. Right. But when it comes comes to pairing, if you're tenth level and find a fourth level spell, I'm, I think you might be able to. That's a that's kind of like a maybe. That seems like something that probably needs to be clarified. Yeah, I, I would really want to look into that clarification but yeah. if that's true that would actually be pretty worthwhile so then here in the preparing and casting spells so you prepare the list of wizard spells that are available for you to cast to do so choose a number of wizard spells from your spell book equal to your intelligence modifier plus your wizard level the spells must be of a level for which you have spell slots okay that's end of story for which you have spell slots not wizard spell slots yeah yeah. That's well, yeah. There's not specifics. That's not differentiated, anyways. No. But uh, uh I mean, that's uh, it's not game breaking. That's for sure. No, but, but it is, it's nice, interesting. I, I think that that definitely, once again, is a uh, a win in the wizard sorcerer book in the well, long a, list a, of losses. And, and really, any <laughs> wizard multiclass. Yeah, that kind of. I actually, I wish we would have picked up on that sooner because we've done other ones and always talked about slowing down spell progression. Mm-hmm. This is a way. Yeah, it like a bit, but, but it kind of a lot of it relies on your DM exactly. giving you these spells. We have right. played multiple campaigns where the idea of a wizard spell like coming up in text did not exist. The exception has been actually out of the abyss. We right. have encountered a spell book because we have a wizard. Because yeah. well, no, well, uh, if you read these campaigns, a lot of them do have. This is a spell book. Here are the spells, and it's like. Damn, you can really flesh out a wizard character, or you know they're gonna throw it in the 
goddamn late because everybody's not a wizard. I was but, in the campaigns where it hasn't come up, that's really more of a shortcoming of our campaigns. That that was more yeah. like when we were playing earlier on, not quite getting it. Yeah, just like the DM glossing over it and the wizard character not knowing to fight for it. Right, and I think except that's- for. The first time I played a wizard, really, really early on with a DM we don't play with anymore, I remember I kept making a point to say, all right, all right we just killed a spellcaster. Do they have a spell book? Are there any spells? I kept asking for it. And you guys kept telling me to shut up because I was being too annoying. <laughs> well, it's like I got nothing. I was a wizard who literally would never get anything to learn. It's like, well, that's kind of the point of the class. Yeah. So I'm still salty about that all these years later. But Well, that's... Kevin, that's how it worked. You wait till like 15th level and then you're a god. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, this is fifth edition, but I think that's fair. I mean, that's uh, definitely frustrating. And I think that's, as you said, something that we are a little bit more aware of now as like, if you have a wizard in your campaign, throw them a spell every once in a while, you know, they kill a spellcaster, let there be a spell book on there. And there's, there's so many ways to limit it. Like the one that you gave us in out of the abyss had spells, I think up to eighth level. Right. And it had basically every spell you'd ever want to take as a wizard. It was a little extreme. It's been nice. But I think that if you don't want that, if you don't want to give that option to choose, which, I mean, it's a wizard, they should have the option to choose. Right. Their limit is their preparation. Right. Um, you know, there's ways to limit it. You can say, oh, you know, when you can be dumb, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, you, you know, you when you killed them, it uh, burnt up most of the spell book. But there's like one or two pages you can make out. You know, oh, their blood is is covering it. So you, right. know, you might be able to spend some time and, and with uh, three times as much time as it took before, you can you can figure out what these spells are. And like, you know, there's again, there's if you want to limit it, you can don't completely rip it out. That isn't fun. Right. Yeah. Wizards, I think, really fall behind if they don't have that wide access of spells that they can learn. Right. So, yeah, there's kind of those general rules of thumb. You give wizards access to spells to copy you let druids see a bunch of cool beasts for them to switch into you let paladins smite some big meaty heavy thing it's just it's what you do it's part of the fun right <laughs> that'd be a horrible dick dm move is just like tell the druid he's never seen anything out of the ordinary you were actually raised in the city so you were raised in the city the uh coolest thing you ever saw was a bear at a circus and it was a black bear not a brown bear <laughs> 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 oh, that actually reminds me. You're you're playing a druid in my campaign now. I've got a sheet that lets you track which animals you've seen. What? Yeah. I don't it, even turn into animals, man. You're probably not going to often, but in case it ever comes up, I feel like it'd be it'd be nice to have. Yeah, outside of moon. It's not a big thing. No, for the most part you'll be turning into squirrels. Squirrels. Which is just <laughs> You've never seen a squirrel. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's one over there. I can see the squirrel. I read your backstory, man. You never said you saw squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the forest. Yeah, but like, does that forest have squirrels? Never. Didn't write it down, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so don't be that DM. Uh, work with your players. Make their classes work. Yeah. But also, don't give them spell books too much. You guys were like, I don't know. You were flirting with that idea. It's like, everybody's a wizard. Free spells for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I say there's I think there's definitely ways to limit it out of the abyss. That was a written thing to just hear. Here's this spell book, whatever you guys want to do with it, you can do with it. And I still don't think it is. It's never felt overpowered. It's no. it's felt overwhelming at times where it's like, oh, my God, I've got so many spells I can learn. What should I take? But I, I can't think of a single time where it's been like, wow, if uh, if we didn't have that spell book. This would have been a much harder encounter last session, except for last session where we're now at session like 50 i mean one out of this many it's it's fine but yeah this is actually that is kind of an interesting 
justification for your little sorcerer world or sorcerer wizard combination, there's a huge amount of versatility, especially at higher levels when spell books start coming up. Yeah. And that actually could be a role playing justification for your little dip. It's like I found the best spell book in the world and I don't know any of these damn words. Right. You like start to realize your limitations. <laughs> You're like, oh man, like I can I can cast fireballs like nothing, but I don't know how to read a single spell. Oh my God, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and just going from there. See, I think there's a lot of times where in a sorcerer path, you would realize that you're not good at magic. You're you're good at magic, but you don't know magic. So it could be a thing. Wizard to sorcerer, don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Stiffer. It doesn't make sense. There's no reason to go specifically for meta magic. I mean, there's some 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 reason, but not good reason to go. Yeah, it's um going for wild magic sorcerer. Like tides of chaos is pretty great. It That's is. where you could choose to give yourself advantage on a whole bunch. Not not literally everything, but a whole bunch of things. You just choose to get it. Ability checks, saving throws, and attack rolls. Yeah, and then so, the next time a wild magic surge goes off, you get it back. Right. Yeah. So, and then. It's kind of every time. Yeah, but it's then, everything. Yeah. It, when it comes to going into wizard sorcerer like that, I, I think it's just inherently less interesting story wise. For so sorcerer or wizard, you are that you are having your character make a choice to learn something more. The other way around, where you like you touch some unstable thing and now your magic's unstable, but you have tides of chaos and wild magic surges, it's just something passively happening to your character. It's mm-hmm. just kind of inherently less interesting. I would totally agree. Totally Imagine right being the like effect that gave sorcerer powers to a wizard. It's like you now have magical powers. Like I had magical powers all my life. I've studied <laughs> very heavily to be a wizard. What, what, <laughs> what am I getting? It's like, oh, I I thought you were something else. <laughs> yeah, it would almost be a little offensive in yeah. some ways. It's like, oh, you can craft magic the way you. Yeah, I I just I didn't think that was that important. So I haven't really been focusing on it. I mostly just want more spells. Do you have that? Well, I guess it's a little more limiting. <laughs> I'm a stone of magic, man. I can't make you a more wizard. Come on, <laughs> give me a bone here. Is there a barbarian in your party you can trip over or something? <laughs> <laughs> um. I've seen some something around the uh, celestial sorcerer. What is it? Divine soul, where people have have basically twisted it, where it sounds like the exact same as the celestial warlock, where it is more of a choice, and it's like, oh, you're you're chosen by a celestial being to be a sorcerer now, and it's like that feels like a warlock. It really does. That, that's too much that, warlock that is, for me. Yeah, that's the RP like, justification of a warlock, right? It needs to be or like, a cleric if it's a full blown god, right? It needs to be like from birth. It's got to be a thing that like really. Yeah, you have blood of a celestial right. being in you, right? Exactly. Like some great ancestor boned an angel and then which blood, which is like line worked its way down to you. Real cool. You know, yeah. I'll give you that. But <laughs> <laughs> if it's not coming up until you're a tenth level wizard. Just scrap it. Save it for the next character. It's not worth it. (laughs) I will say that uh, role-playing-wise, just Shadow Magic and a Necromancer Wizard have at least some... some, They live in the same space. They're the same color. That's about it. They live the same color. That's... Yeah. I'm grasping at straws on that one. But it's something. Divination, as you said before, is like, of course, good for a wizard. Yeah, but no, that's, I mean, that's, that's always you bring up important dice, you're just like copping out. Yeah. It's that's a good in thing. case yeah. you are not familiar and haven't heard us say it. Every single time wizard comes up, there's always the well, we could dip two levels to get important dice. 
That's always me who says it, so I'm making yeah. fun of myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, that is exactly yeah. what you sound yes. like. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, after a long rest, you roll 2d20, you record them and set them aside, and then throughout the day, you could spend those d20 to replace another roll. Your roll, an enemy roll, an ally roll. So let's say you roll, you get the perfect thing, you roll 1 and a 20, and then there's the big bad evil guy, and you they really need to fail to save. You could just say, they rolled a 1, end of story. And then the paladin really needs to land that hit, well, they rolled a 20. They're guaranteed. You got to crit, smite, do your whole thing. So Portent Dice is really awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah, actually yeah, one of the... Wizard. That's the only consistent way to like land failed saves. Which... God, and, that is powerful. Unless they have legendary resistances, in which the case they're like, yep, you just burned your Portent Die. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you do force it. Yes. Yeah. Which is always important. Yeah. In- Important. Oh, have we already made that joke every time. Know, oh, every time it gets funnier. Yeah, every time. Thought, no, I thought it was funny. <laughs> split here. So okay, got some role playing reasons. Got very few mechanical reasons. I think overall, this, this isn't too great. No, I'm not too excited by it. No, I'm I'm excited to see if we find another combination that's worse. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. I guess I don't think so. <laughs> it's not coming up for me. <laughs> yeah, we've done some bad ones, but it's an ice cream chuck. I'd like some ice cream. Well, go get the ice cream chuck. You're supposed to just like bring it here? Yeah. Yeah. Give me one of them Sound the Hedgehog Pops with the eyeball that. I like the SpongeBob ones. Chaco Taco. <laughs> I feel like they're always always just stale tasting i've never actually had a choco taco why would you why would that be your go-to it's just what popped in my head i thought it sounded good for a podcast like choco taco everyone's like oh yeah i love choco tacos they're actually pretty good but they taste pretty good every time i've had one it's been like a convenience store one that's been there for like six years yeah that's like packaged ice cream works man (laughs) yeah but like they're always really stale and like the cone is like just falls apart and i don't like that it's not good i want like a crunchy cone Especially with, with there's so many like hard consonant sounds, I expect crunch. Is that is that unreasonable? You're shaking your head like I'm absurd. Dude, go that to like a, a boutique restaurant that makes fresh Choco Taco. <laughs> <laughs> not the worst idea. Ever. Yeah, I think that would that would probably sell. You play up the nostalgia factor. You also play up the fact that it's delicious ice cream. It doesn't taste like it's been in a freezer for six months. Wow, I'll take 20. <laughs> Here's $7. And throw them in my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else about the Sorcerer Wizard? We want to move on. Nah, I got nothing. Okay. Anything else about ice cream trucks? <laughs> okay, guess we're done. <laughs> Next for our Monster of the Week. But before that. Before that, promotion? Yeah. Oh, Okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, I see that you're listening to our podcast. I I really appreciate that. You know what else I'd appreciate? If you followed us on Twitter, if you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, uh, if you went to our website, which is now up, monstersandmulticlass.com, uh, if you told us that you cared about us, I'd really appreciate that. If you preferably uh, in written form in one of the areas where it says leave a review. Right. And right. then the, you know, click the stars on the higher right side. Yeah. If you found uh, my dog Scrappy, who who uh, left when when we were five and went to a farm. Um, you didn't have a dog named Scrappy. You said you have a dog now. Why don't you just use your real dog's name? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> because I, I, Jelly. Because she's upstairs. 
Yeah. Oh, we just doxed your dog. (laughs) (laughs) No, you didn't give her full name. Jelly Bean. (laughs) Well, now you've done it. (laughs) Such a bad name for a dog. (laughs) All right. That's that's enough of this. On to our monster of the week. Actually, no. That's not enough of it. We now have a subreddit. Oh, yeah. No one's ever going to describe it. There's... I think it's probably... It would probably be the best place for a conversation. Yeah. You know, Twitter's kind of limited. So mm-hmm. within the comments of there, just a dedicated place to go to find the episode post. It'll be very obviously there and comment on that. Because, you know, we also post like d Next and stuff, but that ends up getting buried after a while. Right. So just a thought. It's not... We're obviously not like super proud of it here. <laughs> <laughs> we made a We're just not good at the self-promotion thing. No. It was like, you know, put out some content if people like it cool i don't know i can't make you guys do anything (laughs) all right now we can actually move on i'm no influencer (laughs) all right (laughs) this episode's monster is the banderhob from bolo's guide to monsters this was recommended by ishihara's bitch who has had a lot of great recommendations we keep doing their stuff so thank you very much it was like all from one comment too right yeah there's a big list it's like oh these are all great yeah so (laughs) thank you for that uh, so the Banderhop is a giant frog creature, which we should probably stop to point out. This starts the summer of the frog. Ribbit. <laughs> Even though we've already done the frog game with months ago, but this is we're the summer gonna, of the frog. We're going to change that episode to like just after this one so we can keep up with the summer of frogs for longer. We're just going to re-release it. Re-release. Oh, people yeah. will love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So why is it the summer of the frog? Well, because the Banderhop's kind of froggy and then like our next three monsters are kind of froggy. Yeah. And it was like, hey, let's just lean let's, into Let's this. make it a thing. Yeah. Summer of the frogs. Yeah. There you but go. it's like late July. So it's like the time period of the frogs, the, the summer, early fall of the frogs. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it, good enough. It man. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so the Banner Hob in fifth edition, it's actually almost sounds like more of a summon. So hags initially learned how to create these things and they all pass the ritual on to others for usually at really big prices hags always have and it can be given very specific instructions to go hunt something down or ruin someone's day or capture somebody the make for interesting monsters in that sense they're very dangerous hunters but it doesn't really quite seem like the type of thing you would just randomly run into out in the wilderness no not at all honestly that was the first thing that i picked up from all this this lore there is no reason why you would just like stumble across a bander hob, just be walking around and it would be jumping out and try and kill you. If you have been the mark of the bander hob, you pissed somebody off really, really bad. Which right. in D&D, if PCs do one thing really, really well, it's <laughs> pissing people off. Oh, so yeah. I think you're going to have a lot of opportunities to use this. It's not going to be a random encounter per se. But, I mean, it's it's not a absolutely terrifying challenge rating, only at five. So I am having a hard time thinking of it actually a good time to use this. If a low-level party has pissed off somebody enough that they can contact a hag, and or maybe they pissed off a hag. And yes, uh, yeah. That's, that's basically it. It's yes. kind of limited there. I'm going to say, we almost should have talked about this in, during our hag series. Oh. If you think about it, because it makes perfect sense there. So you have your hag who's maybe it's kind of a mini campaign and the hag's the big bad evil guy mm-hmm. of the campaign and your party is way too low to handle the hag. This is kind of a mini boss getting up to it. And the hag starts realizing, all right, these, the, this party's starting to cause some problems. Let me summon a bander hob and send Take it after care of him. him. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I think the, the Anis hag 
was the one that was like specifically would gather other monstrosities to help it out. But um, yeah, that was the the mountain one. Yeah. Um. So that was the big beefy one, right? Like a, that hit like a truck. Yeah, I think that would actually be uh, though any hag would honestly work. I think that one specifically was uh, the flavor really fit well for right. summoning other <laughs> creatures to take care of its dirty work. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I think that that makes a lot of sense. If a if a hag is going to be your your arc or your whatever campaign, maybe a bit big for a campaign. Coven of hags could be. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, the Banderhob definitely works. The um, mark of the Banderhob. <laughs> it's a great campaign, man. <laughs> a chapter in the in the no. campaign. Full no, campaign. full campaign <laughs> is leading up to a level five or a challenge rating five fight. I, I will also say this: he is really squishy. Well, yeah, he's a frog. <laughs> he's and his stats oh, like a toad. Like that. Yeah, his his yes armor class fifteen, HP of 84. eighty four. Like even yeah. The, around <laughs> that's, trading five that's pretty that, easy to melt though. that sounds about right but we're talking about like your your party should probably be level three to make this a difficult fight and he, yeah i mean he's got a lot of scary things that he can do to people right right and i think that's that's more where it comes out it's like this is going to be a like two rounds of combat but it's going to be some some scary two rounds <laughs> first thing is it's very stealthy so this is something that you'd expect to creep up on your party with a, a plus seven to its stealth and definitely get like the drop. So I would expect a um, surprise round on the, the Bander Hub or for the Bander Hub. And I think it, it instantly becomes interesting when it has its its shadow step ability. Um, did you guys see that one at all? Yeah, no, it, they yeah. Still, that's actually a thing that's brought up multiple times and it's a cool albeit a little bit edgy ability for anything to have. Yeah, so Banderhub magically teleports 30 feet to an unoccupied space of dim or darkness, dim light or darkness. Uh, before or after teleporting, it can make a bite or tongue attack. So I could see a situation where you put your party on the in the fryer, in the, in the frying pan. I don't know. You, you put them on the burner. Let's go with that. Ooh, it can make a boiling frog reference there somewhere uh <laughs> but so the banner hub gets a surprise round runs right up to somebody makes the bite attack and oh i guess they can't swallow them can they they can grapple them though with the tongue attack is that right they can pull them somewhere. the tongue and their bite both grapple okay but then they right. have to bite again to swallow okay that's fine all right so you could move up tongue attack which is 15 foot reach, 3d6 necrotic damage. They make a DC 15 strength saving throw. On a fail, the target is pulled within five feet of the bander hob, and it can then use its bonus action to make a bite, which grapples them. So if both of those hit, you are moving somebody very far away. You are then grappling them. And then if you teleport, would they teleport with them? Or would you expect them not to teleport with them? Are they grappled? Yes. I would probably say teleport with them. Okay. It doesn't specifically say. I'm almost wondering if the... So the bite... I mean, I'm the expectation is that you bite them and it's literally like you're holding on. Because I think once you bite, you can't bite anything right. else. Right, yeah, you're holding them in your mouth. Yeah, you can't bite, attack, or tongue attack on another target. So they're holding them in their mouth. It doesn't specifically say that you teleport with them, though. So I'm, I'm really wondering if that would... If the shadow step works with I mean, that. these things are large. They're supposed to be big, beefy frogs. So when I imagine the restrained condition of that bite, I imagine, like, 
legs dangling out of the mouth. Right. You know? And if you don't want to do that thing, kind of teleporting, they can swallow them, and then I would 100% say they teleport with this Bandarab. Yes. No, I would agree. And that's the thing. Mm. This this is probably the only really unique thing about this character, is it's almost a, like, kidnapping device. Right. Because instead of dying in the stomach, they automatically stabilize once they hit zero. That's kind of a weird feature, and doesn't... Really lend itself to a natural occurrence. I right. actually didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, with the the swallow, just go over the mechanics of that. Uh, so swallow, it's an action. Make a bite attack against a medium or smaller creature that is grappled. Um, if it hits, they're swallowed. The grapple ends. So they're no longer grappled. They become blinded and restrained, which is worse. Uh, they take. 3d6 necrotic damage at the start of the Banderhob's turn, and as Will just pointed out, if they're reduced to 0 HP, they stop taking the necrotic damage and become stable. So yeah, can, and then the Banderhob could choose to regurgitate once I'm in their stomach. Okay, so then they could just spit them out and be like, next, let me get you. But, more likely, if they're doing that, that's not a really good offensive ability, but if you want to take someone away, right, yeah. he can just like teleport into the distance like shit. Our friend just got eaten by a frog. <clears throat> right. It's a good way to take somebody out of a, a session. They need to leave next week. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's a banner. Yep. <laughs> Why are they specifically targeting Mark? I don't know. <laughs> Mark's business trip got canceled. The banner hop comes out of nowhere and just throws him up and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting that it doesn't have a way to regurgitate the creatures except for being dropped to zero HP itself or wanting nope. to uh, regurgitate it. Okay, yeah. Like, there's usually a lot of times it's like, if you deal 50 oh, damage yeah. in a turn or whatever, then it'll spit them out. So, if you deal 50 damage in a turn, the Banderhub is probably dead. Right. That's, that's the reason I think right. they omitted this But it one. could be 20, it could be 10, whatever. I mean, it just, it doesn't have anything. Um, it also usually means from inside, and I think if you're restrained and blinded, can you even attack? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Restrained does not. Okay. I always forget if yeah. restrained stops you from attacking in general. No. no just disadvantage. Okay. So, I mean, part of me is like, you know, you just have the one, the tank just kind of sacrifice themselves, just go ahead and get swallowed and then just go to town on them. It'll, it'll take like a <laughs> turn or two. They, they'll probably be fine. Yeah. I think this would be more interesting instead of just a straight up fight where you, the party pissed off a hag and they send the banner hob after them and the banner hob's trying to kill them or whatever. Uh, more in the lines of like an escort thing. You have an NPC you need to protect. And somebody's trying to get the NPC. Right. So then the banner hob shows up with the attempt to, their entire goal is to swallow them and then just get out of there. I think that's a great idea. So now you've got a much more reasonable quest that doesn't rely on your PC pissing off a hag. You have somebody who went back on a deal or they did something to upset a hag in in some way. Or maybe not even a hag, just somebody who learned the ritual from a hag. Because we'll say the hags will teach this ritual. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a very good point that gives you a lot of... A lot more versatility in how you use this. Right. And then you're also not dealing with the kind of bullshit of a player now not being able to play for a while. Right. right. The rest of the party has to go hunt down the band yeah. and save them. Definitely. Whether you just kind of sit there like shrugging like, eh, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 You could like put a sleeping bag on them upside down. So they get the feeling of what it's like <laughs> to be eaten by the band. Oh, your oh. player. Yes. Ooh. The flavor's there. Yeah. The, they can't complain. You fill it with Vaseline. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> just... oh and you can use it for other stuff. Whenever anybody gets swallowed, and you're like, oh, into the Vaseline <laughs> sleeping bag. <laughs> you haven't washed that in months. <laughs> I know. That's what it feels like. Oh, I'm glad you guys are enjoying my purple worm campaign. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Everybody's just sitting around with Vaseline bags <laughs> on their heads. <laughs> We're really doing a great job of, of making the games feel uh, more immersive. Right. And I think that's the key. <laughs> yeah, some people just play like a YouTube video of fantasy music. Right. We thrust people into Vaseline. <laughs> like yes. Vaseline mixed with sulfuric acid, of course. <laughs> Over the, 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 they're taking acid. Just yeah. a little yeah. bit. Not enough to hurt them. Just no. Just, just enough nice, for the singeing. Nice burn. burn and stuff. Yeah. Right, right, right. We'll probably have to get special sleeping bags so it doesn't melt that, but I'm sure this material doesn't interact with. That's going to be a weird conversation for the sleeping bag salesman. <laughs> Anything that can simulate the digestive check of a giant worm. The sleeping bag salesman? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At Sleeping Bag Co. They yeah. got one of dicks. They do? Yeah. What, he's not like camping. He's just specifically just sleeping, sleeping bags, bags, man. A lot of variety in that particular niche. <laughs> really need a guide. <laughs> There was actually a lot of variety, but regardless. <laughs> um, yeah, once you get in the realm of backpacking, yeah. But it's uh, not important. <laughs> I don't think we mentioned, but it is definitely important to, um, is that the Vanderhobs are fantastic trackers. So it would not be, I don't know, how, at this point it feels too late to bring it up, but it still should be mentioned. Uh, they can track down any creature within a mile that they have a piece of, so if they have a lock of hair, an object of that person's possession, they can track them down as long as they're within a mile. Even if you tried to, let's say, just run away from it, you've got that NPC and you're like, let's bolt. You know, this is not our problem. It's going to find you again. It's, right. it's not like, uh, oh, we'll just kind of put a Band-Aid on that. That's There's something, the interesting thing about this character, I think, is that it has nothing really that unique it's just an interesting combination of stuff that exists in different monsters i don't think you see swallow at low levels no that's very often semi-uncommon so you got weird swallow you got a range attack you've got this weird revenant style tracking you know it's all kind of muted but it's a great thing for low levels yeah and i think it it definitely puts uh a certain type of stress on the PCs when you get swallowed at such a low level, dealing 3d6 necrotic damage per Banderhob turn, it's actually pretty intense. Especially I mean, when you're out of the fight. Right, right, right. I mean, they're not entirely out, though. They can still make attacks just at <laughs> disadvantage. Very well. You know, it's it's something. But I mean, again, against a level 3 party, or even lower, and I could see this being a fight that I'd, I wouldn't feel too... Uh, well, maybe level 2 would be tough. You're going to kill the wizard in like one bite there. Yeah, they mm. bite like a truck. Yeah. Okay, so level three, level four, I think around there is probably the sweet spot. And uh, it's not about making your entire party feel that pressure, but at least one person who has been swallowed and is now being very quickly dropped to zero after a bite and a swallow attack, which does a bite beforehand, if that yeah. wasn't said already. So the bite itself is, what, 5d6 plus five? That's a ton of damage. So we're going to have two of those to swallow. You now have 5d6, sorry, 10d6 plus 10 damage. That's going to kill a lot of players outright. Yeah, you're looking at 44 damage and then you're, unlike what you said, basically out of the fight, blinded and restrained, especially right. low levels. It's going to take 44 health down. That's probably a turn to get you to incapacitate it. And then you're mm-hmm. the mercy of the banner. Of- yeah. So definitely easy to take out an NPC. Definitely a stressful fight for a PC. I don't think if the Banderhaba was sticking around for whatever reason, it'd still be a good fight. It's definitely not going to be impossible for them to win by any means. 
it's going to be pretty easy for them to win, but you're also going to spook the heck out of uh, one of your PCs when they get dropped to zero in like two turns. Right. Uh, in regards to the swallow thing, there there's the one fourth or one eighth beast giant frog, which does have the swallow ability. Oh, okay. So it does come in early. That's um only small though, smaller less, but oh. So your halfling is going to be just like yeah. only being a dick to your gnomes and halflings. <laughs> it's a swarm of giant frogs. Everybody gets eaten uh, unless you're normal sized. In which case you're totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> so the Banderhab though, it surprisingly is very similar to the frog Hemoth, just half the challenge rating. I was oh. just pulling that up, which we, we had an episode quite a while ago where we talked about it. That was the spring of frogs. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you're looking through, it has its... So it has a tentacle attack instead of a tongue attack. It has its bite attack. It has its swallow. It also has a tongue attack. I mean, there's some differences in stuff, and it's obviously, like, hits harder and has and it doesn't have attack. The, the tracking abilities, but stat block-wise. Right, but even lore-wise. So the Banderhobs is this otherworldly thing that's summoned. The Frog Humus is this otherworldly thing why no one's sure why it exists. Oh, okay. It's like they're both... They're not just, like, these natural beasts or anything like that. It just kind of feels like a lesser Frog Humus. So... I could think of ways to completely ignore the written text of the Banderhob and use that in a more, uh, in a larger setting of like saying that the, I don't know, the Banderhob like can, will turn into a frog hemoth and it's like, oh, that explains the frog hemoth now. And this is just like a, a baby frog hemoth. So I say po- it's Pokemon basically. Yeah. I yep. mean, if you look at the pictures, it even looks like the frog hemoth would be the evolution of the Banderhob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's it's okay. That's fine. There's yeah. a lot of that in D and D. Yeah, it's like and then it turns into this, and then it turns into this bigger one. I'm not gonna get into it, but slods. Now that you said that, are definitely just Pokemon. Oh yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that in a later episode. A final note that may to mention is the mysterious Shadow Realm comes back here. Apparently, there's a secret tower where all the Banderhobs go after they die. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we should have mentioned that the Banderhobs really only last, like, I think it was, like, seven days. They said yeah. several days. As several, soon as they're yeah. done, they go home. Yeah. They just turn into goo and just, like, disappear. So you do kind of need a story reason for these things to come about. But there is, apparently, a tower of these monstrosities. So That would be terrible to stumble into. Anything in the Shadow Realm, which it's is Shadow a much... Fell. No, it's much cooler to call it the Shadow Realm. Like, that entire place sucks. It's <laughs> yeah. just like a tower of everything you never wanted to run into. And it's just full of them. So. I would really like a campaign set in the Shadowfell, or like that centers around it. With the Raven Queen and stuff? Yeah, I, I, I guess I want it to have the Shadowfell fleshed out a little more. Because I feel like in 5e lore, it's just not really there. No. It I... keeps on getting referred to by like this abstract thing. But it sounds like not only something you can go to, but like something that you can walk around. Like it has... Yeah. It has land. It's it's not just like bats flying around and there's a tower that on a, a large spire that no, you have to fly and get to. Yeah, it's just like it's totally like the opposite place. of the Feywild. Right, right. So it's like I, I would really enjoy some some campaigns, some yeah. Wizards <clears throat> of the Coast books just really fleshing those out. And then what's that other one where it's even worse, where if you go there that... Oh, the negative plane or whatever? Yeah. We did the, the horrifying like Stranger it. Things monster. Where, like, if you screw with it, it just, like, pops into your world and never stops killing everything. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. What was the name of that? Night something? Nightwalker? I think it's the Nightwalker. The Nightwalker. Yeah, it was, like, a... It was in Mordekainen's. I'm sure of that. But, that was the uh, edgiest place ever. It's, like, the only flavor currently in 5e is, like, it just immediately kills you. Yeah. 
Unless you're yeah. what crazy. challenge rating twenty. So it should the negative plane. Yeah, that's what negative it's called. Plane. So yeah, Shadowfell on the negative plane. And Shadowfell is like a real place, right? With like semi nice but yeah. evil things. Yeah, <laughs> semi nice. I think it's mostly just evil. Mm. Like I don't think we're like getting buddy I'm buddy. Mor- I'm not gonna moralize here. All right, <laughs> it's a lifestyle choice to be a Shadowfellian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, I think that's everything around the Banner Hub. Anything else? Nope. That's all I got. Cool. Thanks for listening. Next time on Monsters and Multiplex. Join us next time as we discuss the Bard Warlock and the Bullywugs from the Monster Manual, as well as the Ghosts of Saltwater.